Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is you're coming from. Thanks for joining. I am super excited to be back with another episode of Rewarding Conversations, as I am here today with Monica Engel Thomas. Thank you so much for joining, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to kind of get it out of the way, we were laughing right before we started. We have tried many times to schedule this podcast (laughs) and it's gotten rescheduled multiple times, which (laughs) that's how life goes. Um, But I really appreciate you doing this. Um, For the viewers out there, it is right after New Year. It's January 7th. Um, This won't be out, you know, until a little bit after that. But we've been trying to work since before the new year to get this scheduled. But now here we are and we're doing this and I'm excited. So um, I found Monica through Instagram. Um, some other channels that I follow, they just kind of, you know, how the algorithm works, it recommended Monica. So I found her, um, and under, uh, Monica's, uh, Instagram page, it has reclaiming the disabled narrative. Now, uh, for my audience out there, talk a little bit about what that means. Sure. So I was born with a, uh, hereditary peripheral neuropathy called Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome. So that's really a big fancy way of saying that my brain does not send the right signals to the nerves in my peripheral nervous system. So it is a progressive degenerative disease. I was diagnosed when I was two years old. I started wearing leg braces at the age of five um, and I've been a wheelchair user for a little over a decade now. Um, So I have been disabled my entire life and there has not always been um, the best representation of disabled people in the media that I have consumed. So we're always portrayed as either the tragedy or the inspiration. And in reality, we are so much more than that. Anybody can become disabled at any time. We're just people. So reclaiming the disabled narrative to me means taking back our story from people who have told it in ways um, that they just don't understand. Yeah. Um, thank you for, for sharing that. I really appreciate that. I've actually talked to some other um, disabled persons who kind of said very similar things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them very specifically talked about, uh, I really like to read books and in you know books, people that are in wheelchairs in particular, as she was in a wheelchair, are always exactly like you said. They, you know, it's either the grand hero of the story or like the person everybody feels bad for. Right. Um, and it's like, really? We're gonna just typecast that into two different groups of characters. That's all you can be. Yes. You can be the hero or you can be the person everybody sympathizes with. Right. Uh, and and I completely agree with that. So you said that you have been in a in a wheelchair bound now for about ten years, correct? Yes. I I had to use a wheelchair um, on and off for a lot of my childhood and adolescence just when uh, when it was super long distances or days when I was just feeling pretty weak. Um, and then at a certain point, my right quad muscle deteriorated beyond use, so I was no longer able to stand at all. So I've been a full-time wheelchair user for about 10 years. Now... For the audience out there, once again, uh, does this just affect your legs or does this affect other parts of your body as well? It affects the peripheral nervous system. So that is the legs, feet, the arms, and the hands. So whereas there are some, you know, like um, central nervous system issues that can affect your, you know, spine, brain, that kind of thing, the peripheral nervous system are the nerves that exist outside of the spinal cord. Okay. So, you know, wanting to kind of change this narrative of how people view 
um, you know, different types of, you know, I guess these narratives, if you will, how people view these things. When did this start for you? You know, because it's been about, you know, your entire life, you've been going through this and you've been feeling this. And, but when did this actual initiative in your mind say, you know what, like, rather than just think it, I'm going to, I'm going to start saying something and I'm going to start speaking about it and talking to people about it. How did that kind of evolve for you? Um, well, like the other person you talked about, I have been a reader my whole life, um, reading books, and then I got really into writing. And when I went to college, I took a creative nonfiction class, and that was the first time I really started writing about my life with a disability. And just through that, I kind of started to realize certain things that I hadn't really even thought about before. It kind of became this um, almost like self-realization <laughs> about myself. And when I started really thinking about the way that disabled people are portrayed in books, movies, TV, I realized that's not my life and it's not the life of the other disabled people I know. Um, a lot of people in my family also have CMT. So um, I felt like with this talent I have for writing, it kind of became my mission in life to use that to spread this message of reclaiming the disabled narrative. And so over the last few years, just the more I write and the more I talk about it, um, I don't know, it's just, it seems like it's just a message that needs to get out there and I have the ability to do that. So I just feel like that's what I'm kind of meant to do. <laughs> um, and then there's other things I've seen too. Um, Allie Stroker, I don't know if you know who that is. She is a Broadway star in a wheelchair. And a couple of years ago, she won a Tony, and that was just like this huge, huge moment in the disability community. And that was another thing that kind of um, sparked my uh, need to keep reclaiming the disabled narrative, to keep telling these stories. And where do you find your, I guess, your media and where you reach the most amount of people? Is it through Instagram? Because, I mean, you're doing pretty well. You almost have 11,000 followers on Instagram, which is really amazing. So, obviously, whatever you're doing, you're connecting with people. Um, but where do you find you actually reach the most amount of people? I, I do think it is on Instagram, which is surprising and not something I ever expected to happen. It's weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah, I because um, for a long time, I just wrote about this kind of stuff on my website, and um, it wasn't reaching a ton of people. It's hard to do that with just your own website, you know, and then I started writing these more long-form posts on Instagram, and surprisingly, even though they're super long captions, people were reading them and connecting to them. And I've been able to build a pretty great community over there. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I was going through your Instagram before we started. And obviously when I first found your channel and I really like your Instagram, it feels very natural. It feels mm -hmm. very real. It feels kind of just like a scope into your life, which is cool. And I think that's what people connect with. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want people to connect with you, they want to know who you are. Uh, one of the things, and, and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but okay. one of the things that stands out most about you is you have amazing hair. Your hair <laughs> is so nice. And as I scroll through your pictures, I see that you're, so for everybody out there listening, I will put um, all of Monica's information um, in my description, but Monica has very curly hair, very, very curly hair. Yes. Um, and that is something that stands out. D do people ever comment on that? Oh, yeah. My entire oh, life. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I was wondering, I'm like, am I the only person that this is standing out to? No. Because like, it's just very, very curly and like very nice hair. So thank I just, you, Thank you topic, very much for yeah. saying that. I appreciate it. Um, when I was, I've had curly hair since I was a baby and people used to come up to my mom uh, when we were at the store and say that I looked just like Shirley Temple because she used to yeah. dress me in these very frilly dresses and little <laughs> Mary Jane shoes and I had this curly hair. Um, but it's funny because I've kind of always 
always stood out because of my hair, and then I started yeah. wearing leg braces, and so I stood out in that way. So I was kind of used to it. Even when I got the leg braces at age five, like people were always kind of looking at me for one reason or another. Yeah. So it kind of prepared me in a way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so something that I'm always curious about is when people put themselves out there, mm -hmm. you know, I put myself out there through this podcast and people that I connect with, everybody kind of puts themselves out there in different ways. Um, in the way that you have put yourself out there, what type of response have you gotten back from people? Like, is it people from, uh, you know, certain communities? Is it people that, you know, do certain jobs? Like, have you found any patterns of people that you seem to really connect with, like groups that say, this is amazing. Thank you for doing this. Like, uh, you know, I feel less alone for this reason or that reason. Like what type of groups or communities do you feel like you kind of connect with the most? It's pretty much like overwhelmingly other disabled people. And I think yeah. that's because the thing that I find the most helpful, um, dis disability can be a super isolating experience. Um, I live in a very small town. I was the only very visibly disabled person at my school. Um, and so, it can be super, super isolating, even though I have other family members with it. And when you're disabled, you kind of have to find new ways to do things. You have to be kind of an innovator. Um, I have hand problems. My um, hands aren't very muscular at all. So I've had to find ways to do things. And when I share stuff like that, like, I don't know if you saw this reel I posted recently with the command hook in the shower. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah so, I did. <laughs> yeah, that got such an overwhelming response because people are like, oh, yeah, this would really help me because there's like there's just not products and stuff out there specifically targeted towards disabled people in the way yeah. that it's, you know, things are marketed towards able-bodied people. And so when I post things like that, just trying to be helpful, like, hey, if you are having this issue that I'm also having, this is a way that I can help you. And um, people say, yeah, it makes them feel less alone. And yes, it is super helpful. So I love making content like that. I love connecting with people in that way. Yeah, that was something I was going to ask you about. I did see that reel that you post about that. And I was going to ask, I mean, what are some products? Maybe maybe somebody out there that's listening right now is a disabled person as well. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any products that you use or, or, you know, trickery or things to get around certain things that you have discovered or use specifically that you would recommend to people out there? Um, and then also maybe comment a little bit more about what you said about there's just not that much out there. Like, you know, are there companies out there that are really working towards and for and with, you know, disabled people? Um, or, you know, is it more just kind of you have to find workarounds? Yeah. So um, to answer the first part of your question, there are a lot of products I use in ways that they were not intended to be used that really help. The <laughs> yeah. command hook broom holder that we were just talking about is a great one. Also, um, I don't, you know, those extendable Swiffer dusters that you use yeah. to like dust a ceiling mm -hmm. fan. If you yeah. take, my wife loves those. Yeah. So if you <laughs> are trying to reach the string of your ceiling fan from a wheelchair, you can't reach it at all. But if you take the duster part off, it's these two prongs and they yeah. fit around the chain up there and you can use it to pull. So that's, cool. I'm actually making a reel about that today. So by the time this comes <laughs> out, maybe people can go see that. Um, That's cool. I use a, there's these certain type of stapler removers that are not like the alligator mouth ones that you're used mm -hmm. to. They're these long line stapler removers. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, so you can use those to open um, almost anything, like a can you can use uh, to open, oh. even if you just have long nails, I think that's a pretty good thing to use. <laughs> you can use to peel off stickers, just lots of stuff like that. Um, I use bobby pins through zippers to help pull zippers up. 
Um, I made a whole little video about these micro hacks. It's over on my Instagram. I'm trying to think of all that's in there, but yeah. I like that micro hacks. I like that. Yeah, just little (laughs) hacks, but yeah. Um, And then there are some companies that are making products specifically with disabled people in mind, which is so smart because there are a lot of disabled people in the world. Yes. Our buying power is so underrated. Like, yeah. if you put a product out there that is specifically for us, we're going to buy it because we need it. Um, yeah. There's a great company that I work with called Slick Chicks. They make um, bras and underwear for disabled people. Um, their underwear fasten at the sides. It's wonderful. Oh, cool. Yeah, they, they're a great company. I was a part of a focus group a couple of months ago where um, it was a clothing company that was really taking uh, disabled people into consideration when, with designing adaptive clothing, which is um, getting dressed as a disabled person takes so long. It's really hard. So, yeah. um, And a lot of times adaptive clothing is way expensive or it's just not that fashionable. And this was a, um, a big fashionable brand that was looking to get into the disability market. So I think things are slowly getting there, slowly changing, but uh, I would love to s- see more of that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you said, there's massive, you know, at, at the end of the day, companies, oh, the majority of companies do things for the bottom dollar of the capitalism. And it's not like there's a small community of disabled people. Like it's a huge community. I have met and talked to so many incredible people from the community. And uh, a few of them have said the same things. Like a lot of times it doesn't seem like we're here. Like companies don't act like we're here, but like we're here and there's so many of us and like yeah. make things for us. We will buy this stuff. It just, I don't know. kind of seems like a no brainer, but for sure. Um, um, I, I just wanted to mention really quick. Yeah. There's a, There's this thing that people talk about in the disability community that the first time I saw it kind of blew my mind because, you know, the infomercials where able-bodied people are like struggling with something very simple and it's like in black and white (laughs) and they're like, oh God, like throwing shit everywhere. I actually, I actually love those. It's so funny. I love you. You open a cupboard and like 8,000 Tupperware (laughs) containers fall on you. It's so ridiculous. But a lot of times these products start out as something that was developed for disabled people, but they're not, they don't want to market it to just disabled people so they have to make it look like an able-bodied person is struggling with something that they could easily do and when you start looking at those infomercials that way it's super eye-opening yeah one thing that i actually noticed about them i had a conversation with a friend not long ago one of my friends who is um, disabled and whenever they show products i feel like where somebody has to be sitting to mm-hmm. use them, they always use like elderly people yeah. to show like, oh, they don't want to get up. Like they don't show people in a wheelchair. They always use it like the elderly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had made a comment about, I'm like, this product doesn't seem like anything like an older person would use. Yeah. And they were like, that's cause it's not. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and it was really eye opening. So yeah, it's, it's very much like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else I wanted to comment on was um, in your Instagram, it, you know, you say that you're a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. How long have, have you been a vegetarian for? I think five years now, maybe going on six years, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I love food. I love to talk about food. So that's (laughs) always a fun topic. Whenever somebody lists themselves as a vegetarian or vegan or something like that, I'm always like, you know, what are things that you like? What are some companies that you really like that produce like good stuff? So uh, do you mainly go, like, are you at, uh, do you like kind of cooking at home? Do you like to order a bunch of things? Like what, how do you kind of do your vegetarianism? I don't, is that a word? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it is now. Um, it is now. I mostly cook at home. I love to cook. Mm-hmm. I grew up um, with parents who cooked a lot, so that was just kind of yeah. ingrained in me. 
Um, and when I became a vegetarian, it was hard to get creative. I had to follow recipes because it's just not how I was used to cooking. Um, but yeah. now it's fun because I can get creative with it. I love a lot of um, the meatless brands like Beyond Meat is great and possible, makes a great yeah. burger. Yes, um, they do. Yeah, and I really like this brand that's not talked about nearly enough called Corn. It's Q U O R N. They make never the, heard of it. Oh, okay. They make the best meatless chicken nuggets you have ever had in your life. They taste exactly oh. like chicken nuggets. They're so All good. All right, I'm gonna have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, they're wonderful. Super affordable, delicious. I love them. <laughs> Yeah, I've been trying to gear towards eating a little bit healthier Mm -hmm. lately, so I'm always on the lookout for some good tips and recommendations. I just made a zucchini lasagna for the first time, um, which was really good. Like I was, I was stunned with how much I liked it. I was like, "This is like better than most lasagna that I eat." (laughs) Um, It's it's really funny because I I had a friend in particular in college. And he, I remember so vividly one day him being like, oh, this vegetarian thing is so stupid. And like, oh, who wants to just eat vegetables? And that's so dumb. So he's a vegetarian now, fast <laughs> course, forward yeah. years <laughs> later. Um, and what's really cool is he's so creative with mm-hmm. what he makes and what he cooks. And now he talks about all the time, like I was, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just a young, dumb kid. And now you realize how incredibly creative you can get with meals and food oh, yeah. and things like that. So um that's always something I'm on the lookout for, but I'm going to look up that company you talked about. Yes. That sounds really, that now, sounds cool. I wouldn't always equate eating vegetarian with being healthy because there's oh, no, no, no. a lot of I, vegetarian junk food I know, out there. I know vegetarians yeah. that I'm like, oh, you're, you're a vegetarian. That's yeah, interesting. Not <laughs> eating meat does not equate to being healthy. And also like yeah. with these, um, you know, like fake burgers and all that, I'm not eating the fake meat to be healthy. I'm eating it because I want a burger, you know, and I think people. <laughs> I'm eating it because I want a burger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because sometimes you just, you know, you just want what you want. Um, So where, where around do you live in, like what area kind of around do you live? I live in a town called Muncie, Indiana. Um, Oh, okay. People might know Muncie. uh, Ball State is there. Dave Letterman went to Ball State. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, The guy who created Garfield is from here. Bob Ross's studio is in this town. So. I mean, (laughs) that's some pretty solid claims to fame. Yeah, Yeah. we're a little town, but we we have some claims to fame. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm um I'm in the Cleveland area, and what's really cool about where I'm at is there's this kind of really amazing booming community of arts. Um, and a lot of that is actually geared towards, um, people with disabilities, which is really amazing. Uh, there's different types of art studios and pop-ups and short films being made and photography being done, uh, with kind of disabled persons in mind, Mm -hmm. uh, that community, you know, that you're kind of surrounded by, you said it's very small. It's kind of a small area. Um, do you find that, you know, it's, I, I guess kind of what I'm getting at is how has the world progressed since, you know, you were young to, you know, now in terms of, you know, having things that are specifically geared towards people with disabilities or, you know, is it just, is it still difficult to get around? Are there more like ways to get into buildings and in different areas and stuff like that? Or is it still kind of waiting to catch up, I guess, if you will? I think it's still definitely waiting to catch up. So Muncie itself is a small city. Um, I went to school in like kind of a suburb of Muncie, um, and that was very small, very inaccessible. Um, but I mean, it's still not great in Muncie. There, 
they're working to revitalize the downtown area, which is great, but in these historic buildings, they don't necessarily make the renovations yeah. um, that would be necessary. Like, there are certain places that still in 2021, I just cannot physically go, which, you know, is infuriating and unfair. Um, I yeah. think I think I saw online that they even made, like, the Roman Colosseum ruins accessible. Like, there's ramps there, <laughs> but we can't You're do like, that. You're like, come on. <laughs> yeah. the, the Romans, the Romans did. Yeah. Come on. And <laughs> not that hard, but... You know, um, it, there's just not a whole, at least there's not a, a community here specifically that I'm involved in. It may exist, but I don't, um, yep. I don't know about it to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, to touch back to something that you mentioned earlier, you did mention that, you know, you're, you write, you're a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, so what type of stuff do you enjoy writing and what type of stuff do you enjoy reading? Cause you also mentioned that you're a reader. So what, what do you, I'm always curious Do people like to write the same stuff that they read or is it completely different? Um, it's a little different in my case because I, I write um, pretty much exclusively creative nonfiction. So personal essays about my life, memoir um, pieces about specific periods of my life. It's always almost centered around disability and how it was affecting yeah. a certain time in my life. Um, um, but what I read is just a lot of thriller horror stuff. Um, Stephen King is my favorite author. I've read a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I did start writing a, just for fun, a little fiction novel um, horror that centers around a girl that has a disability, but it's still very much in the works. So, okay. Yeah. Something you're planning to maybe release someday? Yeah, maybe someday. For now, it is That's not cool. nearly there, but <laughs> maybe someday. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm a big movie geek, and uh, Stephen King wrote, oddly enough, my favorite film, The Shawshank Redemption, and yeah. a lot of people don't know that, you know, it was a short story by mm -hmm. him that was developed, um, but a lot of people don't know. They're like, oh, he wrote The Shawshank Redemption? I'm like, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's um, why it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm like, that's why it's an amazing story, because he wrote it. So yeah. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Um, I, I'm a really, really big fan. Uh, and a lot of his films have translated so well that I've just really enjoyed um, overall. So I, I don't have much of a talent for writing. So whenever I meet people that do, I always, I'm very interested in like, what do you like to write? And what do you like to do? Um, so take me through a typical day for you. Um, what is, you know, is there such thing as a typical day for you? Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, I work at a library. I've worked at this library since I was 17, <laughs> but oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long time, but I have just kind of worked my way up there. So I am the social media manager, like slash website manager for um, the small library. So a typical day for me is I get up, I get ready. Uh, my husband loads my chair in the car and then we, uh, he drives me to work and work all day and then, you know, come home and make dinner, play with the dog. It's just very normal. It's not anything to write home about really. See, and that's, that's what I love because, so I have talked to people outside of the disabled community. Um, and they've specifically spoken about people that I've had on my podcast. And one of the questions that I've been asked a couple times is like, how much different is their lives than, you know, people that aren't, you know, people that are able-bodied. And I'm like, well, in general, not really that much different. Mm -mm. Um, they, they get up, they go to work, then they come home, yeah. just like everybody else does. People say and weird I think, things to them throughout the day. But yeah, <laughs> right. And I think that's a good thing to talk about and highlight, at least for me, because I think almost like what you said about products and companies and things like that, there are still massive misconceptions out there about what somebody who is disabled, like what their life looks like. Now, some people, it's drastically different. Some people, they have to go to therapy, you know, mm -hmm. certain times a day and, you know, they, they're, 
are able to do certain things, not able to do certain things. But in general, the people that I've talked to, it's like we wake up, we eat breakfast, we go to a job and we come home, we make dinner, we watch some TV, and we go to bed. Uh, you know, so it's I think it's good to talk about that in terms of, you know, still having to educate people that, you know, it's not like there's these two different worlds and, you know, able bodied and disabled and they can't right. even connect and they don't have anything in common. Like, that's just such a silly thing to think, you know. Um, so it's, it's nice to kind of hear that, you know, and, and hear it from you that yeah, we're kind of just like everybody else, just in a different way, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly why it's so important to me to reclaim the disabled narrative is because of these misconceptions that people have. Um, you know, I just like anybody else, I could be sitting there at my desk at work and dealing with something frustrating. And then somebody comes up to me and just says something insane. Like I was to give a specific example. I was at work, um, a couple of months ago, and a man walked up to me, didn't say hi or anything. The first words out of his mouth were, can you walk? And I just, like, things like that just what? happen to me. Yeah, it, they oh just happen gosh. to me all the time. And so it's, yeah, it's you're living your normal life, but then people just throw this stuff at you that's Ugh. like, it's just none of your business. It's, I don't owe you my personal medical history just yeah. because you're curious about it. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's why I try to post, like, slice-of-life stuff so people do realize yeah. this is just a normal person. She's just sitting down. Like, that's the only difference. Uh, that's so frustrating. And yeah. I, like, so so if, if you're willing to share, what do you say to a situation like that? Like, what what is your actual response to such a dim-witted question like that? I say great things later in the shower, but in the moment, <laughs> I almost always... You, you come up with some really great um, comebacks always later. Always <laughs> later, but I just kind of... I almost always freeze up because I just... Yeah. It's almost a defense mechanism. Yeah. Because it happened to me so often as a kid from other kids, and I, and I found that if I just um, would clam up and not answer them, they would leave me alone. And so I think that's just kind of ingrained in me. And so when people come up and say crazy things like that to me, I kind of just stare at them. And to this particular gentleman, I just said, no. And then he, I think he asked me something else. I don't remember, but he eventually just walked away. Um, but I do have one that I think I'm going to start using. <laughs> when people ask, why are you in a wheelchair before they even know me? I'm just going to ask them back, why do you want to know? Because I think people just think that they see something and we live in this world where you can Google something and instantly get an answer and people just want to know for their own curiosity, but it's not, it's not a polite thing to do. It's not like say that I had been, I didn't just have a genetic disability. Say I had been through something very traumatic. I had been in an accident. I had been shot, something like that. Disabled people do not owe their trauma to people just because yeah. someone is curious. It's, it's childish when a child asks me, I don't mind answering because they're a kid they want to yep. know and maybe yep. um, they learn in childhood, then they're not going to be a shitty adult like these people who come up and ask me when it's none of their business. Yeah, I I actually had a conversation with somebody a couple years ago and they had made a comment about something that was very inappropriate and it was an inquisitive comment and mm -hmm. I knew that they were a veteran and they had experienced PTSD and stuff and I said, say you were wearing like one of your hats or jackets or something like that and somebody noticed that you were a veteran what if somebody came up to you and said hey what sort of terrible things happened to you in war 
Right. And they were like, well, that would be so inappropriate. And I'm like, just remember that. Just yeah. remember that. Exactly. Because just because you know one thing or you assume something about a person doesn't mean you're entitled to know about their personal life and history before you even get to know them as a human, you know? Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, those types of things are just kind of, I don't know, icky. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly, it term. is icky. It it's, makes me, it's just kind of icky. Yeah, it yeah. just makes me feel bad. And I just, because I'm just living my life. I'm not necessarily thinking all the yeah. time, wheelchair, wheelchair, I'm disabled. And yeah, then that's, people comes up and they just throw it in my face. Yeah, like you're, you're Monica. Like yeah. you're just, you're, you're, you're at work and you're doing yeah. your job. Like, yeah. um, and it's not something that you should have to either think about slash defend all the time or no. explain or, you know, um, so for people out there listening, um, you know, if that's not something that's ever crossed your mind before, please think about these things before you speak. Um, try to understand somebody as a person, try to connect with them just as another human, like you would want somebody to connect with you, uh, before you feel as though you're entitled to such personal information, just in general, don't do that. Yeah. Bad behavior. Don't do yeah. that. Really PSA. Simple. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just a little PSA. I, I like to I step on a soapbox and then I'm going to get right back yeah. off of it. Um, and I do just want to mention really quick before we yeah. move on from this, that I think some people might be thinking, um, well, you post about it all the time and you're talking about it now. And that is when I want to talk about it, when I have control over the situation, when I am deciding to talk about it. It's not um, a stranger coming up to me and asking me something that I may not have the uh, emotional energy to deal with. So. Yeah, there is a such thing as emotional bandwidth, mm -hmm. and you can choose when you want to and when you don't want to talk about something, especially something that is so personal um, that is your life. And for people to feel entitled to that information is just not correct. Yes. Uh, so once again, people think about that emotional bandwidth, how you would like to be treated. It's really simple. It's straightforward. Yeah. Um, PSA over. Uh, thank <laughs> you. Uh, but, but Monica, thank you so much for doing this. This is really cool. I, yeah, I've really I enjoyed it. this conversation. Uh, you're very easy to talk to. So uh, I'm definitely going to want to connect down the road and kind of see what's going on. I'm starting to do that now. This is my podcast. I've been going for about seven months now. So I'm starting to kind of That's reconnect awesome. with people that I've talked to early on. So we'd love to do that. I'm going to put all of your links and descriptions in, you know, below. Uh, and I'm looking forward to checking out some of your writing someday. So that would be really yeah. cool. But before we head out, I always like to do my little rapid fire Q&A. Is that cool if we do that? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. Question number one. What is your favorite late night snack? Oh, cereal. <laughs> what kind of cereal? Uh, whatever we have. I'll take it all. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll just... just cereal period yeah. i'll take it yeah that um, was my what, favorite cereal of all time was waffle crisp but they don't make it anymore oh uh, waffle crisp so good <laughs> so i remember good. eating that as a kid uh -huh. so good uh what is your dream vacation colorado i love it out there oh, cool. that's where we took yeah. our honeymoon i just love colorado it's such a cool place very cool i know some people that live there and they they dig it quite a bit so yeah. very cool uh what is something that makes you sad mm. oh my gosh this is <laughs> This is a weird one, but when little boys cry, it makes me very, very sad. I don't just know why. Just little boys. This, I mean, anyway, crying is sad, but yeah. for some reason, like, it just pulls on my heart so much when there's yeah. just, like, a sad little, like, toddler boy. I don't know why. I know that's wow. weird, but it just does. No, thank, <laughs> yeah. you, for, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, on the counter side, what is something that makes you happy? Um, 
There's so many things. I'm trying to pick just one. Um, my husband, we have just such a fun, great relationship. Like, yeah. we're planning on playing the new Just Dance tonight, which is one of our favorite things to do. Just shut Sweet. the blinds and nobody can see us, and we just <laughs> dance it out, and that's that makes I, me happy. I'm looking forward to doing that later. <laughs> I love that. I always talk about um, the little things you do with your partner when nobody else is around, just yeah. those little connections you have with your partner, so that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Uh, last question, uh, what advice would you give your younger self? I um, actually just posted about this, so it's fresh in my mind, but I would just tell her that things are going to get really hard for a while. Uh, her disability is going to progress really fast, and she is going to lose a lot of things from her body, but gain so much insight and so much self-worth and so much community um, that she's going to feel more confident than she's ever felt in her life and to just keep going and keep trying and just to do her best. Monica, thank you for doing this. Thank um, you you so are much for very, me. very easy to talk to. I love your Instagram. Like I said, I'm going to put all of your information below so people can find you. Um, everybody out there, um, able bodied, disabled, check out Monica Engel Thomas um, under, I think your Instagram is Monica Thomas. Is that what it is? Monica Engel Thomas, yeah. Oh, it's the full name. Yeah, Monica Engel Thomas. <laughs> check it out. Um, you have a phenomenal channel. You're. I don't know. I just, I get a lot of just kind of positivity when I, when I view your Instagram, um, but also real, it seems very real and very, you know, real life focused. And I love that because it doesn't seem, you know, fake or anything like that, which I think is what we need more of now than yeah. ever. Uh, so thank you so much for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Yeah, absolutely. So for everybody out there listening, if this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returner, welcome back. And regardless of where you're coming from, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.